heard that one? Yeah, the mosquitoes? Yes. And the laser beams. It's a cool idea, but I podcast sort of flows from the same so you guys were in the star spotlight right yeah uh, i'm dan needlebeck um and i'm leading our efforts at now we're uh, going to be branded as exidio uh, we're the software company that's connecting the dis- distributed network uh, vpn nodes called sentinel um, so I'm Dan. Hey, Dan. And I'm Tumam Malas. Uh, grew up in the Midwest, Michigan grad. Go blue. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So what's the, what's the name of the company? Again? Yeah, so um, we're Exidio, exidio.co. And the website is going up any day now. It's coming up live. We just decided on this rebrand. And um, just to give some context, Exidio, um, you could kind of think of as Red Hat when it comes to open source code software development. Um, so Exidio is a software provider, and then you could think of Sentinel as as uh, Linux, as the um, open source distributed infrastructure layer for um, applications to be built on top of. Um, so- Is that what the D&D VPN means? Exactly, it's uh, decentralized. Got it. So keep going. So you so could call you- it decentralized or distributed, but it's the fact that it's truly peer-to-peer, and it's a, it's a distributed network of nodes, and anyone can host um, bandwidth to the network, um, and anyone can take away their node away from the from the network. So, so imagine um, some average Joe or Jane walking into Domino's Pizza, mm-hmm. and you had described to them what this thing does. So, if they're aware of what an, a, a traditional VPN offers, um, we offer the same user experience and the same process as as a traditional VPN. The difference is that ours is actually open source and they can prove that what they're using, their their VPN, isn't um, at risk of being uh, compromised and it is truly truly end-to-end encrypted. Yeah, so so David, the the first question I I always ask people is, do you know what a VPN is? And then from there, it's it's big branch. If yes, then then we can describe the benefits of blockchain and, and that kind of stuff. They have some tech in- inclination. Uh, if not, I tell them to grab their iPhone charger and best of luck. <laughs> okay, so let's go back. Let's let's take this slowly. Um, let's pretend we know what VPNs are and to make it simple and probably inaccurate, but I'm hoping actually quite accurate. Um, a VPN for, for practical purposes is a remote connection. doesn't need to be remote, but it probably typically mm-hmm. is connection into a, into a, what one thinks of traditionally as a LAN, it could be into a server itself, but it's into effectively the mind's eye into a network um, where the, this remote network, again, typically remote network, seems like it's actually on the network and is equally, presumably equally secure. So it acts as a node on the network, uh, typically acts as a node on your office network, but it could be a, a network of different size. So is that a good enough characterization? You got it, David. Okay, so now take it to the next step. You guys are doing much more than VPNs because haven't VPNs been around for a while and open source ones as well or no? So there haven't been many that are open sourced both at the um, protocol layer and at the um, front end application layer. Um, So OpenVPN or WireGuard 
are some of the best standards as far as protocol layers for open source VPN. But then the company that you're paying for could be uh, NordVPN as a big player or ExpressVPN. Those applications, you can't prove that you're actually using this secure and that it's not, and that it is end-to-end encrypted. Um, and actually, they have what they call no log policies so that they're not logging your data. But that's, that's something that they claim a policy, but no one can prove that. Um, because of the, the, end, the end node, the exit node of a distributed system would always have access to that information. Just like a phone call, I can't call you, David, unless I already know your phone number. Right. So um, these companies are, are claiming that they have a no log policy, um, but they can't prove that to be the case. And it was just last year that NordVPN, the largest um, player in the space, was hacked and a lot of their user information was, um, was given away. So the irony of a, decentral, or a, a VPN provider that's supposed to provide secure provi private access um, was hacked and leaking uh, consumer information. What is the use case? That's a great question, Mark. So often, I mean, Exidio, we're, we're doing a lot more customer discovery around um, B2B applications, and we're getting a lot more insights there. But primarily for VPNs, the, the largest market is still a B2C application. And as a consumer, it might be that you want to be able to access geo-restricted content. You want to be able to get on Netflix or Hulu or Disney+. Plus. It, it could be that um, you want to be able to communicate with people in applications that maybe you're geo-restricted because of um, the Great Chinese Firewall or other things like that. So there's geo-restricted um, challenges, but then it's also secure access to a, a, a private network. So if you're so, in a, a coffee shop over a public, um, a public network, that's an unsecure connection. Um, and it's, it's much wiser to be able to connect to a VPN to um, uh, have private network access. So we're looking at B2B applications for also for um, companies that offer private networks or public networks that want to be able to provide more secure networking for their clientele and for um, companies that are looking to provide um, more secure networking to their gaming services or online gambling services as well. So the opposite, so, okay. of, the opposite Wait, me... of this case would be to be in Hong Kong right now with a change of law and go to um, mainlandchina.gov slash VPN services. You would not want to do that. Yeah, I don't think that would be a good idea. Yeah, but let's, so let's take the, the gaming and gambling use case. Is this mm -hmm. meant to subvert regulatory uh, restrictions? You talk about geographical ones. So like here in the US, you can't do forms of online gambling. At, the, mm -hmm. at least at this point. It's, it's not meant to subvert, subvert it. You need to be very smart about the local laws you're dealing with, what the um, policies are, and how you are confining within those guidelines. And every company is going to be a little bit different based on their uh, user base, based on their uh, geographic headquarter location, and, and what are the laws and uh, regulations of which they need to abide by. Okay, so now I'm confused for the moment. For a v so you could theoretically do online gaming simply through a secure portal uh, but, through a yeah, but there's oh, secure, but there's, there's a difference between obfuscation and and security. I think is what these guys are are saying. So if the application is not to obfuscate, so you're not like a Tor replacement, as an example, mm -hmm. um, or or maybe you are. I'm, may, may I well, should make that a question? Well, answer that. So what's the difference? That's a fair you question. Talk, talk, What's the difference between you guys and it was the DuckDuckGo um, in Mark's situation, which is I want to do online gaming 
uh, from here to Macau or to off some offshore or just, place. Yeah, who, without identifying where, where the, the location is. Mm -hmm. I just want I just want to play my game. I want to bet on the horses. I want to. Yeah, why do I use you guys? So you could use DuckDuckGo and you'd have private access through that browser. But what if instead of consumers are demanding more secure, more private, and just as great of throughput and um, and connection speed and reliability as ever before. Um, and, and we've seen crazy proliferation of app applications like Signal um, and Telegram uh, in the last year, really. Um, and we're seeing consumers finally demanding more secure and private networking. And so if I was a gaming company, I could either say, go to, go to get your own VPN or go use DuckDuckGo or go use a private browser and then you might have a more secure access to my network. Or I can say, here's our own, you're our own branded um, in integrated application that's native within our game and that provides a greater user trust and a greater user experience because we're integrating this seamlessly and it goes along with our branding and our consistency and we can claim that this is ours and we know the reliability of it. So by so, inference, I'm going to jump over David. I keep doing this. So now my, my apologies. So no, now in, <laughs> instead of instead of the user going and needing that private browser and 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 connecting that way, they now have the company providing the access through through that decentralized VPN. That was really going to be my question. So your play is really to go as you're an enabling technology underneath a gaming company. Is that correct? For one example, yes. Really, the idea is that you should be able to maintain your own online privacy. Um, and so connecting through a decentralized VPN that's open source, you can prove that it's end-to-end -end encrypted and that there isn't metadata crawling, um, like collecting all of your online usage. Yeah, so if you're a big gaming company, you want to be able to provide a better user experience to your customers. You want to get better loyalty, you want to, there's, there's data proving now that this is a way that you can differentiate by providing this access. Uh, here's, what, here's the, 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 the problem I'm having with what you're saying. On the one hand, you're saying the gaming company might want to use your solution as a bolt-on to their game. And on the other hand, five, three minutes ago, you were saying, I might want to use you as a consumer in order to ensure that I don't have to rely on the gaming company or anyone else. Um, so yeah, uh, apologies I'm Apologies for the confusion, David, on that. Uh, so what Sentinel originally uh, originally did to offer is that B2C uh, proof of concept of the decentralized VPN. What Xidio now is doing, so that's that, that's that B2C aspect that we're discussing. The, the main focus now, uh, and what we've been doing for the past two months in talking to VPN entrepreneurs, is Exidio's focus of getting uh, small and medium-sized businesses that need that VPN service, such as a gaming company, such as, for example, a gambling site, for example, who would need that platform where instead of having the customer who's familiar and tech-savvy enough to go do the B2C solution themselves, they offer that solution to their client, growing their client base and trust. And is the solution as so offered by the, in the, the B2B case, when you go to the small to medium-sized business, like the gaming company, is the mm. solution you provide them solely to allow their customers to access them? Or do they say to their customers, boy, if you like us, if you like our game, you'll like our secure VPN? 
Uh, it could be either, but primarily for their game. But again, these will be um, contract based. So if the company says we want to, we also want to expand our uh, breadth of services and we want to get into the VPN space, uh, we can provide the white label solution and the infrastructure uh, and the plug and play um, offering for a VPN. But if they wanted to customize it and tailor it specifically for their game, they can brand it for their game. And, um, you know, to your point earlier, David, if the consumers are, and Humam's point, if consumers are already using their own VPN and they're happy with it, that works. But it would be better if a company could provide that directly to their consumer base instead of um, having individuals use that. Um, but then again, that's up to the, each contract. And then we can also um, specifically identify and whitelist white certain um, nodes that maybe that the company that is offering to their user base would want to specifically have within their host of nodes. So okay. while we're while we're talking, an interesting thing just popped up on my screen. Usually David and I do this, we shut off our phones. I'm going to send it to you after I'm done kind of quoting it uh, on the chat on the chat thing, but the pandemic has highlighted the importance of personal data and digital connectivity. The the major social media platforms for search, marketing and transactions involve the collection and use of personal data in historic proportions in ways that are not always disclosed. Mm -hmm. So th this is uh it's again uh, sort of interesting it came up while we're talking and um i just pushed it over on chat because there's another thing that came from rcr wireless which is one of the uh telecom services that uh push data but it's kind of uh, inter an interesting coincidence while we're having this chat that that came up but and so question question for you um my that, experience that wasn't panelizing by the way david that was okay <laughs> i wasn't i wasn't complaining my experience with vpns is that they are harder to use that is there's hair involved in them as a user um and when i say there's hair involved it yeah have you guys made it easier yeah friction is everything um it you know we're talking about leveraging decentralized technologies and open source vpn and uh, providing open source clients on top of that we can say all the tech buzzwords in the world but you're not going to get anywhere if you don't have a great user experience and that's why I think we've seen slow adoption for um, some of these VP, like we're seeing such extreme adoption for um, the WhatsApps and the, the signals of the world, uh, decentralized VOIP, um, but we're not seeing as great of an uptick, I think as quickly in VPN, and I think because of the user experience, um, but that's changing very quickly. Um, we're getting more and we're seeing more and more people that are better at front end development and um, our, our development team has been really great and, and Humam mentioned, so we had a proof of concept um, that we put on the, the Google Play Store and on Android, we have over 50,000 downloads. And um, it's also on um, Mac, Linux and PC and between the platforms, we have over 75,000 um, users. Um, and we're going to be having the application launch on iOS um, in the Apple test kit within the next week. So. Uh, you're looking. You're looking at the test flight screen right now on oh, Apple. So yeah, it, connection is super easy. I put in my four-digit PIN, and then I can just connect to Node, and I'm connected. That's it. So you're, I can on, go a German, you're on a German a VPN show now. for our audio podcast that Humam just uh, showed us. Is I looked like an iOS uh, on the iOS client side, and he had a bunch of nodes you could connect into, and I think he pressed on the button for Germany, and when it seemed to go right in. Yep. So connected to German Tinder right now, which is. Oh, I thought you were in the, the best shit ever. Type or something. 
Just don't swipe left. That's all I can say. <laughs> I only get 50, man. <laughs> but they're all in latex. <laughs> okay, so how you got you guys have a lot of traction that way. What's it sounds like your the the beta product is going well. How do you then push this forward to a to a real marketable product? Correct. So now we need to understand um, we need to understand where are the the real use cases in the B two B place in the B two B play, and then we're understanding where we position ourselves on the B two C um, play because we we understand that a lot of the bigger players offer uh, a VPN around five or six dollars a month, um, and you can buy like a three year package and it'll get you down to like four dollars a month. So we're going to need to understand to be cost competitive. And we need to show the difference between using a centralized player that's not that's not provably open source and provably um, and and encrypted consistently versus us. Um, and and then we'll start to understand what are the different demographics that really want a more affordable and consistent VPN. Um, and then it's going to be and then we're going to need to ramp up on marketing spend um, as we position ourselves as a strong brand in the market. So so well, how, how do you you, you, you talked about the provability a few times? Mm -hmm. um, are you doing like, is there a third part, cer third party certification, neutral third party that that um, some, you could point to and say, according to, like I've been doing a lot of work for JD Power. Yeah. It's not a commercial for JD Power, but they're a neutral third party that certifies according to some benchmarks that you're the best in, in class in certain categories. So my question is, how does that get certified and related to the consumer? That's a great question, Mark. So right now it's really been, um, Sentinel, the community and the concept of bringing dis distributed VPN to the marketplace has been around since the end of 2017. And I've been involved more at the community level um, and only within this last year since 2020 have we come together to found the corporation Exidio and be an official software provider. But we've had people um, operating to the, um, the repo of the GitHub since 2017 and building it out. And so there's been a lot of peer review. Um, but that that's something that I think would only strengthen our argument is to get um, some bigger players to audit the code and prove that it is um, secure and encrypted and the open source code is, is what it says it does. Um, but we've had a lot of people from the community come in and question it. And um, we're not the only player in distributed VPN um, leveraging blockchain. There's a company, um, Orchid Protocol, and they, uh, they raised a ton of money from Sequoia and Andreessen Horowitz. Um, and so we've been kind of the smaller player on the funding side, but I think we've made more noise as far as traction and as far as user experience. Um, and now we're formulating ourselves as a private company, but I think to, to kind of put together, put away some of that fudge from that some fear, uncertainty, and doubt that people like to put on a company, um, uh, an audit on the open source code would be really valuable from a bigger what player. Is the, right. So DuckDuckGo, I mean, going back to a comment you made at the start of your, um, the discussion there, um, which is convincing the marketplace that that security matters and you can indeed provide it. Isn't mm -hmm. that what DuckDuckGo faced? Um, yeah, because none of us really know what Google is doing with our data. We hear from the New York Times and other liberal press that we're doing bad things with it. Um, and mm -hmm. for some reason, we believe Apple's not quite as bad, nor Microsoft. But DuckDuckGo seemed to have just gone out there with a lot of money and just told us everyone is bad and we're good. Uh, but it's not provable. Is that the only route as a practical matter you can go when you're in consumer markets? 
So, so I think something that's really important to, to keep in mind, David, is just the history of the, the infrastructure and the ability of the technology to continue. Like you asked a great question, Mark, just a moment ago about right. how, how do we know that it's provably open source? Uh, and the, the idea is that it's an open source code. So somebody wants to say that it's not, go ahead and look up the code. We've got the GitHub online um, and you can, you can go ahead and argue that. Um, and so, so currently being where the technology is in the infrastructure, we've now built the digital house that, that, that we now need to secure. Um, and so you're securing it, of course, from theft, right? You're securing it so that people don't steal your data and privacy. But another fundamental concept of privacy is that it, it's none of your business what I have in my home and, and what you keep in your home and how you arrange those things, right? right? Beyond the concept of theft, so. I guess my point is, is that, um... It's like proving something's organic without there being certification boards out there. You just have to yeah. take the you have to take the vendor at their word. And you guys, I mean, now is I guess a good time to market this product because you can market on the uh, on the coattails of DuckDuckGo. And are they a potential acquirer, or don't they have enough money these days? Uh, I'm sure that they're they're well funded. Um, and. Those are things we would have to explore down the road. But to your point, David, this is an evolving process. And I think um, GDPR only came out, what, two years ago, six years ago, yeah. two years ago. Oh. Well, I, I think no, it's I, been in I, process the, for a while. I was seeing the California one. I'm sorry. Yeah, GDPR. Yeah. Okay. So let's say within the last five years or so. Yeah. yeah. And so this is I a very think. evolving space. And, and to your point, David, I think there's going to be better um, metrics and there'll be better um, levels of of accountability and transparency that we can point to, to to provide more secure environments for consumers. I think that the pendulum has swung far too far to the right. And I think we need to provide more, um, more protections in place for consumers. And I think that we'll see more um, coalitions coming together. We're actually starting a decentralized VPN coalition. Um, and so we're gonna start to see more organically, I think um, us govern ourselves. And I think that we will see more formal um, standards for for getting greater trust you guys host this somewhere or it's it's not simply a standard that you're establishing uh, just because your code is open source doesn't mean it's it's a standard in point right. of fact i guess it could be a standard because everybody could take the open source code hopefully not fork it but use it on their own for free um but but you guys do you guys actually provide a hosting service that takes advantage of your own code so the, the 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 all the nodes are you can you can host a node on the service on the server oh, yourself, oh, David. It. So it's truly it. distributed, and that's a oh. big differentiator because um, if a major VPN player has some type of hack where they lose access to their servers, the the reliability of losing the entire connection is extremely high. Whereas one of the servers goes down in a distributed network, that's just one server that goes down. You can connect to others. Okay, so okay, sorry, being slow on distributed. So the distributed here is. Is everybody who's a client also a distributed node? Every node, or, or how do I get to be a, a, a node, a sort of server node, as opposed to simply a client? Sure. The actual um, uh, process to follow is um, in uh, our, our our documentation, um, and so yeah, to be able to be hosting uh, bandwidth to the server. Um, and to decide to be uh, a node host, there's certain hardware requirements you need to make and you need to make sure that you configure the software on your, um, on your PC and then you can offer it from your IP. 
and when I do that, is it so it's sufficiently encrypted that I can't obviously see the data and take advantage of it? For example, if the uh, Chinese or Russian governments decide to host this and Georgia decided they were going to use uh, your system to tally votes, uh, the Russian government couldn't see and manipulate those results? The state of Georgia, you mean not the country called Georgia? <laughs> Oh, I did not mean, yeah, I did not mean something. Yes, I meant the state of Georgia. It's checking. Or Commonwealth of Georgia, whatever they are. I yeah. think it's a state. I don't think it's a commonwealth. Yeah, whatever. The Virginia's thing is, a commonwealth. The U.S. of A type Georgia. The yeah. Atlantic one. Yeah, so we're building a similar market multi-hop architecture to Tor. Um, so just because you'd be a node host, someone might um, have, their, have their bandwidth host through your node and then go through another node and through another node. And at, at each packet, it's encrypted and decrypted and re-encrypted from each node hop. So that's similar to the architecture of Tor. Um, so you wouldn't be able to have that end user's um, information. So the second part of the, of the text I sent you guys says, how can the interests of government be accommodated relative to the health and safety of its citizens, blah, 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 protection of national security and malicious sure. activity? Again, the same two paragraphs that we talked about so mm -hmm. you uh, are your are your interests not aligned with those of, of various governments i wouldn't i mean exidio is a software company and we provide access to a distributed open source protocol um and so we we are not in control of what happens across that network um if you're right. hosting if you're hosting a, a node and the government taps you um you would probably want to comply with the government I would recommend well, that that's not a bad. What could the government but get? What we're saying is we want to provide more access for privacy and for user security. Okay. Um, as we think what, the pendulum has swung in the other direction too far. If Mark is hosting a node and the um, the evil government of Wayland, Massachusetts, um, his hometown goes after him, subpoenas it, his, his little really home bad. Mac mini server, um, they could get nothing from that, correct? That is um, correct. I, I think that he would have to comply with the government and they would have to be, if he's the exit node, um, just like we were saying that all these companies are saying they have no access to their logs. Um, he can't, he wouldn't have that, but if they're actively monitoring an exit node, there's no, there's no um, software provider or VPN service on the planet that doesn't, couldn't be able to access that. Um, so if they were actively monitoring everything that was coming out of his um, exit node, that's possible. Um, but also he, he could, at that point, um, you know, comply with them and, and shut down that server. They can't I even tell if, can... if, they can't tell if I'm watering on the wrong day during a, a water shortage, so I'm not that worried. And, and you guys heard how much that would take. And I do, I do wanna explicitly say that uh, there's no anarchist intention behind, uh, behind Sentinel or Exidio's technologies, nothing where, um, you know, even the pendulum swinging that Dan, Dan uses that language. Um, I, I, Mark, you posed the question uh, about governments and that, that power and stuff. Uh, to me, it's almost laughable, Mark, to, to imagine that consumer technology is anywhere close to the, the level that government tracking is, right? So we're building infrastructures that are, that are trying to work with the governments uh, right. in order, in order to, to provide people then uh, access beyond uh, some geo lines as well as uh, security beyond uh, what they're currently being offered. 
uh, we raised we raised over a couple of points uh, earlier just about uh, where our privacy has been. Um, and it's it's unfortunately concerning uh, once we look at the documentation outside of even VPN and privacy companies, uh, but just looking at your typical Facebook or a Marriott and the, the sort of data hacks and, and compromises that they've had. Um, and that's not to company bash, right? That's just to say that these people who are focused on giving you the best news feed, showing you the pictures of grandma that you want to see, they're focused on doing that. They're not focused on protecting you. So there, no, there's I need. I, com there's I completely understand. And again, what I was just pause, pausing the question. Go ahead. What David. do you mean by government friendly, though? That confuses me because I would say that Apple, and I trust rightly or wrongly Apple's security and Microsoft's as well, I would call them government neutral. I wouldn't call them government friendly, simply government neutral. We're not, yeah. we're not having active conversations with any, any um, yeah. regulators or government officials. Um, and as Exidio, we wouldn't have any connection or control over the network whatsoever. You're just an enabling technology. Correct. Okay. Let me, let me, speaking of enabling technology, let me shift a little bit away from the regulatory stuff. You mentioned no blo blockchain as sort of a, uh, related technology. Um, a number of years ago at the uh, Enterprise Forum, the program that, that I work on, Connected Things, had a point-counterpoint panel on mm -hmm. uh, the application of blockchain in IoT. Um, and the, the one gentleman said, you know, blockchain is not applicable. And the other gentleman said, yes, it is. So um, I've learned a lot about blockchain. My question really is, does it apply here how do you leverage it? And then what happens in the edge cases where blockchain becomes overwhelmed because somebody with a lot of servers in wherever, Iceland, uh, overwhelms the blockchain network and sends spurious stuff? Does that make sense as a question? Yeah, for sure. And I think we've seen the the overzealous hype around blockchain and and everyone slapping blockchain on their company. I think it was an iced tea company out of Long Island. They called, they changed their name to Long Island Blockchain, and their stock went up like 500% overnight or something just absolutely stupid. I love it. Um, and, and to your point, Mark, there's a lot of people that are trying to force a square peg into a round hole. Um, and the idea isn't to slap more technology into a product to make sure that it has more words associated with it. Right. But where we're leveraging the blockchain is in a very specific and simple use case. So all of the IP addresses that you see on your application, on the front end application, you can verify are actually the ones that are hosting the service on the nodes that are posted to the blockchain. So you don't need high throughput and you're not trying to do micro payments. Um, you know, Bitcoin would suffer from the idea of doing streaming payments if every second of this video I'm sending you a tenth of a penny because that would be more fair than having to watch an advertisement or rather pay for this, Bitcoin is not set up with the infrastructure to be able to handle that type of throughput. Right. Um, but we're hosting, we're offering a provable way to look for the IP addresses that you claim to be connecting that, that are offered on the, on the front end of the server to be able to prove that those are the actual ones that are. And that's where the blockchain comes in. That's where the blockchain comes in. Correct. So smart okay. contracts. So you're not using the blockchain in connection with a transmission uh, in, in sort of some sort of voting or distributed ledger with respect to each packet of data that goes through in terms of the communication, you're simply using it to uh, uh, to establish the endpoints and the veracity of the endpoints. Exactly right. Okay. And then we are using um, uh, digital assets to incentivize the node host to be able to provide bandwidth. So if you're offering bandwidth to the network, then you're compensated to do so. 
Um, so how did and, you guys end up in this field? Oh, we just lost two again. How did you guys end up doing this? Yeah. Because it's uh, slightly esoteric. Yeah, I mean, really, I think it was around uh, people with common interests. Um, we, we, I think people that are interested in privacy and security and um, some of the interesting aspects of how blockchain can can actually provide some value compared to overpromise. Um, there are a lot of online communities that were formed. And so I was in Slack channels and Reddit channels and I started connecting with more people in this area. And then I found out about um, people coalescing around the idea of building a distributed decentralized virtual private network, um, similar to a tour, but um, then the project evolved into what is now a, a strong um, distributed network. And that came over the course of 2017 and 2018. Did you think of offering, um, doing an ICO or anything in connection with this when you first started? That that market's dead, but is there any application for you to um, sell tokens or anything? So um, the I, that would be something that if we wanted to do in the future, we, we could offer that, but um, really this has kind of been a bootstrap network, but what I would say is that, um, oh shoot, I'm just losing my train of thought. Um, it was a stupid question. That's okay. No, yeah, but but, there, but but it's kind of interesting now that we have kind of proven that there is a proof of concept. The the idea around leveraging distributed technology to provide a more secure private access wasn't perfectly coalesced in initially. So Sentinel came out with its white paper and it also talked about offering dis distributed VOIP and distributed chat. And we realized that those aren't areas that developers we uh, in our network were very knowledgeable of and that we were gonna have a very hard time competing with telegrams and signals at their own game in open source messaging. Um, so this is where we kind of coalesced around the idea, but there was a lot of stumbling, you know, as, as a, a, an idea that's kind of community driven. It's, it's not always a clear path forward. How many um, people uh, make up your company? How many, do you have any full-time employees or no, not yet? Yeah, so we're four full-time employees and then that's at Exidio. And then the Sentinel Foundation is the um, nonprofit foundation we're establishing for the distributed Sentinel network. And that's around 12 people that are in the foundation. Um, and then we have an online community in Telegram of um, I think 3,500 people. And we have around the same amount of Twitter followers um, and uh, then we have specific user communities in China, uh, a group from Ch a Chinese Sentinel group, a um, Japanese Sentinel group, a uh, Spanish speaking Sentinel group. And so there's kind of different user packets that have uh, popped up a group in the Middle East um, that are leveraging the tech. Well, I got to say as a quick aside, if you were to distribute this podcast to all those people and they were to click on it, we'd have what's his face's butt beat. Who's the guy, Mark, that we're trying uh, to catch up to? Uh, Grogan. Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll be we'll kick Joe Rogan's ass. All, all we have to do is uh, we have to all just smoke pot on on our podcast. And, <laughs> which Joe Rogan doing. will be asking uh, you guys, Mark and David, to be on his show. Yeah. <laughs> now yes. now the guitars make sense. I yeah. See. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> so this is the point in our podcast where David prompts me to ask you guys oh, yeah. uh, whether or not, since we talk a lot about failure in our podcasts. Can you talk about failure and, uh, you know, how did you overcome? <laughs> There's a failure right there with those glasses. <laughs> uh, 
But just let's talk a little bit about failure and, and you know, how you've kind of recovered from that, because you're in a unique thing. You've got this open source thing. And again, the Red Hat model, I, com I completely understand. Um, what, what happens when stuff fails? How do you react to it? Mark, why do you, how, do you, how do you know that you say they recovered from failure? Uh, they either, how do we know they failed? Have you failed? Well, they've, they've failed in, in spending the last 45 minutes, that's for yeah, sure. That was a <laughs> well, we okay. failed about uh, probably four or five months worth of work trying to build out a distributed decentralized chat that was getting no traction. Oh, um, and and it's yet to be seen if we fail or not with getting a true B2B um, traction and offering different products, there's a lot we have to, to, to tease out. Um, there's something we could really, we have a, a partner in the UK that we're working with on actually hardware integration so that it could happen right at the modem level. And you wouldn't need a separate application on your phone, on your computer, on your Roku stick or whatever um, with different VPNs. But we don't know um, if that's gonna play out. But I mean, I think one thing we, we kept we kept talking about decentralized chat and people are asking our communities what what's going on there where are you at what's going where what's the product and then we put something together and realized it was crap uh, we just didn't have the right UI UX and we weren't going to be able to compete with WhatsApp as 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 great of a product as that um, and so I think it took us a couple of years to really coalesce around decentralized VPN is what we, uh, what we can offer. And now we're looking to see if a reseller type white label um, model has traction in the marketplace. Um, oh, and, we're, and we're looking to see if Exidio can spawn out different companies or can do a revenue share with other aspiring VPN entrepreneurs based on the specific target demographics that they're going after. But um, it's, it's all still really unproven. And, it, and the only way we're gonna succeed is if we put the blood, sweat and tears in. Okay, so this is interesting. So there was a time when we we pretended to care about failure, um, and and I, I mean, obviously we still do. But we used to talk about it more philosophically. And where you're coming from is your definition of failure, and it's a fail. It's a fair one. Is not so much a failure of the company, but but the um, the run the lead ups to a pivot, which is mm -hmm. you, you have a thesis that you can make money doing X, or that a small part of your system should work doing Y and that doesn't work, and so you simply pivot in another direction. So failure to you is simply like the falls which lead one to move forward when you, when you, when you walk, so, that it will so, you know, to move so forward. So this is pre-failure. Well, I guess so, but you, I would argue, <laughs> David, that they're one and the same, right? If we stuck our head, heels in the ground and said, we're doing distributed chat, and you can't tell us no, um, we don't, we're not open to pivoting, then it would probably be the failure of the company. Um, so it's, you know, we might, this, this isn't, isn't not proven the whole, uh, what the reseller model is for, for um, B2B sales of VPNs, or if we go straight to B2C with a hardware um, model. But we do know that we're not going to be the company providing decentralized chat. That was something we threw in the garbage. But how did you, um, how do you fund yourselves? Because it sounds like, and I don't think it's true, it sounds like you've, you've had these long sort of um, run-ups to your pivots. And you've got quite a few employees. You're being funded by somebody, or is this all? Is everyone working for free? How are you doing this? Yeah, we're on a pretty bootstrap budget. Um, we we uh, a lot of our costs are um, just compensating the validators, all the different um, node hosts across the network. Um, so we have a treasury for that, um, and then uh, we're all working, uh, you know, with for some equity and working on pretty minimal 
um, income right now, and we're positioning ourselves to be a uh, investable business. So we're go we're incorporating right now. Oh, oh so you're 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 not even incorporated. Not Exidio, the company, but we oh, we've been doing a ton of research. We want to make sure that we're setting the company up for long term success. And um, we want to be incorporated in the right jurisdiction. And we want to have the li right representation, and we need the, light le the right legal liability. Um, and we've gotten, we've had 20, 22 legal calls at this point, um, and I think we've kind of like triangulated exactly where we best fit. Interesting. Okay. Um, and so, what are the next steps? When do you actually raise money? Um, is that the next eighteen months? The next twelve months? Or is that just a big question mark? Uh, I would say sooner than that, uh, we're going to be incorporated here in the next, you know, four weeks or less. And then now we're a legal entity and we have a bank account and we already have, uh, I think, the right infrastructure. And so now it's about building out the proof of it, like the business model and that we, we're going to have more traction in the marketplace. And then it's going to gain more clients and it's also going to gain some investors. So next step, next step is to get to work, David. It's uh, we don't need to ask anybody for money right now. At this point, we're working with VPN entrepreneurs, and so looking for more VPN entrepreneurs to work with uh, throughout, you know, different industries, uh, so that uh, we can we can get to the place that we want to be. So okay. a, a, a question: a Number of years ago, David and I did a series of podcasts called The Tech Entrepreneur, and and one of the early ones was uh, all about incorporating. So I'd be curious just on the very high level discussion of incorporating in a specific state versus Delaware or Las Vegas, Nevada, not Las Vegas, but Nevada or Delaware. Mm -hmm. Are you looking at jurisdictions like that for incorporation? And what's kind of your thought process? Yeah, we're looking at more of a global level. So Humam and I are in the States, um, but uh, we have a team member in Switzerland. We have two team members in India and we have one team member in the UK. Um, and so we're we're a pretty distributed team, and so we're looking at being a global company as well. Um, so we're so, probably, uh, okay. probably incorporating um, uh, outside of the United States. So like Iceland, that's sort of the middle. <laughs> <laughs> so we've yeah, we looked right. into a lot of jurisdictions and talked to a lot of international lawyers. Interesting. Sure. Interesting. Sure. Is is there a benefit to not to not being a U.S. sort of based corporation? Yeah, uh, and there's and there's drawbacks as well, right? Okay. Um, the drawbacks is that it's not as easy to swallow for an investor that you're not just another Delaware C Corp and they've seen that a million times. Um, but to set the company up for long-term success, we want to have the li right legal representation. We want to have the right um, uh, uh, memo around uh, legal liability. And we want to make sure that the laws are set up around the ethos of privacy and security. And that's really not a strength of the United States. No. So it'd be like Luxembourg, Switzerland. So yeah, Switzerland's uh, a really great jurisdiction. Uh, 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 BVI is a great jurisdiction. Yeah. Um, Singapore has done pretty well. Um, yeah. So uh, those are a Malta. few of the different. Yeah, Malta. But um, then we're not just, we're looking at specifically then where are other VPN companies headquartered and why, why are they picking those jurisdictions? Um, Malta is really advantageous to set up a business. But I think that uh, Switzerland is a stronger uh, security um, play. We're not focused as much on the, the blockchain aspect or international tax law. We're really focused on privacy and security. 
And what, where are your investors likely to come from, or don't you know? Um, I think we would have some in um, Asia and India. Uh, we'd have some in the States. Those would probably be the, and then um, possibly some in Europe as well, Western Europe. And this, does, does, that, does that discussion of where the investors come from um, sway at all your decision on um, um, governing law or where, you, where you'd headquarter the company? Yeah, yeah, those, those have all been pretty in-depth conversations. Okay, good. Okay, that's interesting. All right, so this is not the usual set of issues uh, um, the enterprise forum companies that we've talked to are running into, but it sounds like a fun set. Sounds like a yeah, third well, set. Of there's always something, right? Yeah, yeah. no, that's good. Um, so this is this is cool. We're kind of like at our right up against our hour. Um, yeah. I know David might edit it down a little bit, but um, I, I, I think I'll just edit you out, Mark. Well, as, you. As, you, <laughs> as you well as you as you should. But what are I, I guess uh, let's throw it back to the, to you guys. What are sort of the top three concepts you want to get through to our audience of three or four three. people? Three. Well, if they distribute it to their network, well, we should get one or two more out of that for yes. at least a what month. Is, so you know what what are the top things? So you're not looking for new investors right now, so you're not that that's not something you're looking for customers. It sounds like. Um, yeah, kind of give me your, your top three points that you want to get across. First, we'd love for you to try out the application. Um, go to sentinel.co slash downloads, and you'd be able to download right it on um, okay. Android, Windows, PC, um, um, Mac, or Linux. And we would love for you also, if you'd like to be um, a beta tester on the iOS app, um, we'd love to get sure. feedback on the user experience and just what your thoughts of it. Um, also, if you're looking to consider providing more secure access to your user base, um, whether that be your customers at your um, coffee shop or whether that be your online users, we'd love to have conversations with you, explore how you can provide better security and um, see what we can do for integration. And um, we're also just looking to continue to spread the word. Um, as we build the Exidio brand, um, feel free to connect with me. It's at dan at exidio.co.co. Um, love to hear your thoughts, and I just want to continue to um, have people explore what the value of true online privacy is. Um, so, Mark, you, you shared uh, some some information earlier, but there's a, a CBS article that came out yesterday on the NSA is warning that VPNs are vulnerable vulnerable to cyber attacks. And like we said, that happened with Nord last year. So we want people to be thinking about how are you truly providing your own personal security. I love well, it. not to make light of this all, but we, do, we, we had a guest on, you might have, um, with an episode called Dirty Laundry, two or three episodes ago, and she gave our three listeners a, um, the opportunity to a 30% discount. So can you offer us a link that will give us a 30% discount on the otherwise free beta app? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, can do, go. I can do special COO 40% discount. There you well, go. Let's do that. Because no we problem. want we want our, our three listeners to feel like they're getting value out of this podcast. A right. Anything for David and Mark, no problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I just want to leave, especially uh, Humam, with uh, uh, one warning, which is stay away from Harpers. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, Harpers. And for those who, although th those are the three listeners that don't know, that was the, the source of what was it? A hundred uh, uh, coronavirus. Like 
<laughs> my goodness, my goodness. Exactly. God, God bless the ownership for all their decision making. And they uh, really tried. They really did. I read about them. Um, when years ago, when I when I was at Michigan State, that location was called Dooley's.